table dars. Welcome to another PortugueseSoccer.com podcast. My name is John Neves, your host. Back here again to talk about my favorite subject, your favorite subject, and that is, of course, Portuguese soccer, Portuguese football, whatever word you use in your part of the world. And I hope you are all doing very well these days and uh, safe and sound. Episode number 62. And let me tell you something, folks. Right now, I am so excited. I feel like a player coming out of the tunnel, walking onto the pitch to the Champions League anthem because I've got a fantastic guest tonight. I've got another great guest coming on next week. I feel like I did a brace, and uh, I'm just so very, very happy. And let me start off first with tonight's guest and introduce you to him. Uh, his name is Sid Sixero. He is a Portuguese-Canadian. Uh, a major fan of the Silasong Portuguese national team. And he is basically one of Canada's biggest personalities, uh, especially in sports. Uh, he worked for many years at uh, Sportsnet, which is a sports station much bigger than Sport TV in Portugal. Uh, probably just as big, if not just a little bit smaller than ESPN in the United States. And for a number of years, he had a show that was called Tim and Sid, and him and his partner Tim on the show um, really put on a lot of great content that was featured both on radio and television. And one of the things that Sid was known for, besides the fact of having opinion of, you know, all the sports teams in Toronto, like the Toronto Raptors of the NBA. Uh, the NHL, the, the Maple Leafs, and obviously talking about the National Football League and all the big sports that we, of course, have on the North American uh, continent. Um, he was also very passionate about Portugal's national team. And um, he was not scared to criticize, nor was he scared to show his love. And it's just, there's some content that went viral over the years, especially when Portugal won the Euro 2006 final and he became known really as uh, not only for his tremendous talent as a broadcaster, but obviously his love for Portugal. And we're going to talk about that. And he also just made a big move uh, in his career. He went from the afternoon sports to now doing a, a morning, a daily morning show in uh, Toronto on CTV. So he's going in a bit of a different direction. And I also asked him about that because I, I was watching him when I was doing research for this, you know, when he made the announcement that he was going to be making the move. And uh, it was very emotional for him. But he is an incredibly successful broadcaster. In my opinion, in terms of anybody outside of Portugal, one of the more successful broadcasters there are. And uh, he's got a brother, Alex, that's also in broadcasting. He's a big, big Benfica fan. And uh, if you want to learn more about them, I, um, I suggest you go to RTP's website. There is a type in his name, Sid Sichero. Uh Four or five years ago, RTP did a segment on him and his brother that really talked about their roots and everything about him in Portugal. And I mean, here he is. He's got a job talking about sports and he finds time to talk about Portugal, too. And it's just absolutely amazing. So I'm really looking forward in the next segment to talking about him. And let me also tell you that next week. My special guest confirmed I did the interview the other day is Pedro Santos, the Portuguese midfielder with the Columbus Crew FC. Uh, Pedro, of course, played many years in Portugal, uh, Lechonge, Gazapia. Um, then, of course, he later played for the two big clubs that he played in Portugal, at least when he was there, was Rio Ave and Braga. And I had a chance to interview him. And, and, and listen to this, by the way. Just listen to this. 
check out some of the managers that he has played for in Portugal. It's it's really incredible. Nuno Espírito Santo, when he was at Riuav. Augusto Inácio, when he was at Leixões. Check this out at Braga. Josualdo Freira, Sergio Conceição, Paulo Fonseca, and Abel Ferreira. How about that? And then, since he's come to the United States, he's had two pretty good managers too. Uh, Greg Berhalter, uh, when he started with the crew, and now Greg is, of course, the manager of the United States national soccer team. And he's also now being managed by one of the best managers currently in Major League Soccer. And obviously, they won the MLS Cup last year, and that is Caleb Porter. So we talked about a lot of those managers, particularly Nunu, Sergio Conceição, and Abel. And uh, really got some insight on what he thought about those managers. So that's going to be a treat for you in the next podcast next week. And I apologize that I didn't do it this week. I said I would. Unfortunately, I hurt my shoulder and uh, I just uh, wasn't able to uh, pull off two episodes this week. Special thanks to a friend of mine, Zaf, for helping me with the uh, tweeting and Facebook and the website this week as I only had one hand this week. But I'm back to normal today. And Friday morning, very early, I did this interview uh, with Sid uh, right after he finished his morning show. So I appreciate his time. Obviously, as you could imagine, he's a very popular person in demand. So I thanked him for his time. And I want to introduce you to Sid before I start interviewing him. And I want to play you a uh, audio clip. And let me give you some context to this so that you understand. This was back in 2014 versus Germany in the World Cup in Brazil. This happened during halftime. Now, his station that he was working at, he was working and he was on the air broadcasting his show. Uh, they were not broadcasting that game, but he was watching it and it was a big thing. And um, Portugal, of course, lost a, a game, we, a match we all want to forget. We, we of course, lost to uh, Germany three to nothing. Uh, Pep was sent off in the first half and um, actually four to nothing we lost. But this was at halftime of that game. We were losing three to nothing. And this shows you the passion that he has. And you got to remember back in 2014, that summer in June, there was a lot of criticism of the national team and Balu Bentu and Pep for getting sent off. And he kind of captures that. And his two hosts with him, by the way, you know, obviously out of fun. They loved watching him suffer. There's a lot of sarcasm that I think you're going to get a good laugh at. And I think this is a good way to introduce you to him. And uh, later on in this episode, I'll introduce you to a segment of when they won the European Championship in 2016 and his celebration, which went viral. And again, he's doing this, uh, all these things while he's on the air. So um, we'll uh, show that other clip later on. But right now, let me show you this video clip. And then afterwards, my interview with Sid. And I said to them the following. This was no joke. I'm not working from one to two. I need you in this room so I can pay attention to something that I care very deeply about. For those of you driving around, for those of you who haven't been on social media and been giving me a bleep kicking that's been going on the last 30 minutes, I want to give you an update on what has gone on. Portugal and Germany in Salvador, Brazil. She's hot. Portugal and Germany, Salvador, Brazil. It is 3-0 Germany at the half. It gets better. Portugal are down to 10 men because Pep is one of the most selfish bastards I've ever seen play the game of soccer. So now this game that I thought was going to be tight, mm, tight, where I needed help in this next hour to get through the day, has become a game of FIFA 13 on easy level. 
And this is done. This is fait accompli. As the Brazilians say, forget about it. I don't think they say that. I don't think they Whatever. do. Stop yelling at me. The point is this. I was, I was going to throw stuff at these two extremely knowledgeable, talented broadcasters, and they were going to drive the bus. That's what was going to happen. I now want to get off the bus I'm on and get back onto this normal bus because this is a disgrace upon humankind. Huge stadium, full. This thing is finito. Over. It's like Nintendo soccer, the first game, and you just know how to play. You know what to do. So that's where we're at. I said a couple things. One, uh, the people on Twitter who know your your passion, your 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 fever for Portugal and are giving you a hard time, they're cut. You actually said it correctly. Thanks. No problem. Um Cut or uncut. John, Destroy, destroying me on social media yeah, right now. Johnny Volkswagen, who's crushing you right now. That, that's 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 the not, guy. That's it's not, not the guys who don't watch. I could tell when guys don't watch soccer. It's obvious because they're like, ah, I'm a video scout with Barry Colts. Yeah, I get you. I know you haven't watched soccer, so, so you want to rip me all day. Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. Pucks in deep. I know. I know those guys when I see them. It's guys named Joao Alves that kind of cut to my core. Right. That I know know the sport a little bit. And this hurts so much. I feel like I got kicked in the face and groin simultaneously, which I think is very difficult to do. It's like a jackass skit. I think we should make you watch the second half, and Donovan and I should still carry the show, to be quite frank, because I quite enjoy watching you watch soccer. And I really <laughs> enjoy watching you watch soccer when your team sucks. Well, okay, maybe you didn't have to phrase it that way. Yeah. It's, so I are like you guys still cool with this? Because I kind of want to soak in this, this ass-kicking. Well, but it's but it's not over though. You should be it's right into three this. Nothing. No, it's They're not. They're down a Listen, man. Sid. Germany beats everyone's face. Sid. This thing is finito. Hey, as Sid. you, this is over. As man. you well know, many a team has lost their first game, gone on to do well in the World Cup, even win it. Also, all you have to do is win your next two games against USA and Ghana, two teams that you should beat. You get a goal back. You're only minus two in the goal difference. Listen, this thing is so far from over. Sid, have you seen how gigantic the net is? <laughs> See, this now, I don't need this. Now this is just straight up mocking. I heard the start of primetime Friday. I know where Kenny Reed is going with this. I'm not going to be mad at him because, like I said, his, his half hour of prep is until much later. He's in way early, and I, and I love him. So I'm not going to get mad at Kenny. It's happy to be but here. I've, I've, but I've heard this before. So you guys can carry, can you guys still carry this? Yeah, I'm going to be in this room. My mic's going to be hot. I'm going to throw out topics. There's a ton going on, but will you guys drive the bus? Sure. sure. You're but, throwing out the topics and we're contributing in here. Is that what's going on? Listen, guys, I really appreciate that because I'm having a bad day. Back here, and you just heard a audio segment of Sid, and I'm very proud to have Sid right now on my podcast. Sid, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. How are you guys holding out, uh, holding out down there? It's still locked up here in Canada. How are you guys doing? You seem a little bit freer than us. Yeah, where I live, it's uh, 50% dining. You can go to a baseball game for up to 10,000 fans. And uh, we've, had it, uh, we've had it pretty bad, uh, no doubt. But that was really in the beginning. And I live in an area um, where it's been, uh, it's been okay since uh, last year. It hasn't really gotten out of uh, control. But it's funny with Canada, as well as Portugal right now, um, you know, last summer... Canada and Portugal was kind of held up as 
you know, this is the way to do it. This is the way to be very careful with this. And, you know, here we all are a year later, and it seems like the people that got hit hard are doing okay and maybe as immunity of some sort, whereas those that maybe didn't get hard, hit hard in the beginning are having a rough time. Yeah, I mean, in Portugal too, I mean, the way it was described to me um, was just Christmas. Few people paid attention to the rules around Natal. And to no one's surprise, like I'm not shocked by that. I'm sure you're not shocked by that, but that was that was the moment over in Portugal where things got bad. Anyways, forgive me. I don't want the interview to descend into bad news central here, but uh, but you know, better days, right? Like I'm 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 feeling good. You know, we're having trouble getting the vaccine up here. Yeah, but uh, I think we'll get there by the summer. It'll be a a very different picture. So I'm looking I'm looking forward to it while while enjoying some Euro 2020. Uh, in, in my backyard with a cold beverage. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. There's no better way to watch it than with a cold beverage. So that's good. Here, here. <laughs> uh, let me tell you. Um, so a number of years ago, I had um, some of my Canada followers say to me, hey, you know, you got to pay attention to this guy in Toronto. He's uh, Portuguese. And the way it was described to me was you were like another Chris Russo, except your grammar was much better. <laughs> you know? Um, that's one of the biggest compliments I've ever been paid. So I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. For, for a lot of people, if they don't know, Chris Russo now is on uh, Sirius radio, but for a number of years, um, he had a show in New York with Mike Francesa that I think some people say set up the rest of the world for sports talk. And, you know, you guys have been compared to doing the same in uh, Toronto, but, and I've been following you for years. I saw some of the stuff you did, you know, like I said, with the clip we showed before I started interviewing you and, uh, if you go on uh, you YouTube and you you know uh, search your name, you'll see a bunch of clips. Uh, let me just start off first because I do want to talk about the Portugal and the football and everything, but I want to talk a little bit personally about you. So, were you born in uh, Portugal and then you emigrated like many of us, or were you born in Canada? Born in Canada. Uh, folks came here relatively young. They met here. Uh, I got two other brothers. Uh, we grew up in the Toronto area our entire lives. Uh, grew up with our dad uh, looking for the Benfica game on radio here locally in Toronto. Um, grew up watching him scream at the radio in Benfica for years. A win or lose. He's that, he's that type of passionate Benfica. Um, and that's kind of that's where the love of soccer started. And it just kind of grew and grew and grew. And, and we were so lucky that we grew up in a time where like between ages like five and 15, soccer was still kind of scarce in Canada, aside from like a world cup and a European championship, but to, to grow up where the rights just blew up in Canada and you could basically see everything was really cool. Um, it hasn't happened for the Portuguese first division yet that way. You still got to kind of piecemeal it. You know, I got our, 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 RTP international little Benfica TV and like, we don't, we don't get the whole package. Like, like we don't, there's no sport TV Canada. You know what I mean? Like that's, mm. I'm still waiting for that, but um, it's been, if you're a soccer fan in Canada, uh, it's, it's been amazing. And things are a little different. Now we got the zone up here. The zone got champions league in Canada. The zone got the English Premier League rights in Canada and, and some other things, but it's um, soccer. I, people ask me sometimes, what's my favorite sport and soccer is one and everything else is tied for a second, <clears throat> excuse me, is, is um, what I usually tell people. Because I love all other sports equally, I do. But there's something different about soccer. And that yeah, was kind of put in us at a very, very early age. So, 
Yeah, I think uh, the one thing about soccer is, you know, I am much like you, NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, hockey. Uh, got a chance to go to my first hockey game post, uh, you know, during this pandemic a few weeks ago, and I love it all. But I think soccer is just, you know, it's more cultural, more toward your roots. And I think that's why people, you know, like it more. And um, yeah, and, and I've talked about this in my uh, in past episodes about the fact that, uh, you know, I thought when Portugal started up last June, I think they were the second or third league in Europe to start up behind uh, Germany and I think Poland. But the Portuguese league is unfortunately, when it comes to television, just doesn't um, have the same appeal as let's say, you know, some of the other, and then there are obvious reasons. There's big teams in Spain, of course, the Premier League and PSG and in France, but you're right. Portugal just doesn't, um, it just doesn't break it. Um, you know, I, I remember many years ago, there was a great um, game. I think it was uh, when Porto beat Benfica 5 nothing in the Dragon. This is when Andres Vilas Boas was the manager. And if you look at the starting 11 for that game for Benfica and Porto, it was a who's who of some of the best players that eventually would move on to bigger clubs. And I remember watching a tweet about that and people saying, well, where was I when this was happening? Like, how did I not know about this game? And that's because all these players weren't known at the time. And I wish the Portuguese league would, you know, do more to promote the league because so many of the younger players in Portugal move on to these bigger leagues. Nuno Man's just supposed to be the last, you know, great thing. Pedro Gonçalves, Pote. But you're right about uh, that, that uh, the Portuguese league just doesn't have that same pull. Uh, where, where's your family from in uh, Portugal? Um, uh, my dad's from around Aveiro. Okay. And my mom's actually from San Miguel. And we, ah. went, we were in San Miguel a couple of years ago. What a great trip. Uh, the whole family went. Like it was a dream trip for my folks. And but like you were running into Canadians there left and right. Like it was just crazy. Uh, best seafood I've ever had in my life. We will go back. Um, from what I've read, everyone's vaccinated in San Miguel. Like it's not hard to vaccinate everyone in San Miguel. It's not that big, but that's one of the first places we're gonna we're gonna do when everyone feels comfortable flying again is uh, is to go back there. No question. Yeah, I know. Uh, I've never been to the Azores or Madeira. Um, when I usually go to Portugal, you know, the family's up north, and uh, you know, if you tell the family that you're going to do something else besides stay with them, you know, you kind of get that Portuguese dirty look like what you, you only come here for two weeks and you're going to spend a few days somewhere else. Like what's going on here? But uh, yeah, I, I'd like to uh, go there one day. And, um, you know, regarding your career, I mean, um, you know, these days, of course, you're doing morning television, which I'm going to ask you about. But um, uh, I mean, was this what you always wanted to do, you know, as a kid growing up? I mean, or did you just kind of fell into it? The, the the you mean morning television or just tv general i mean just broadcasting in general it's oh no i wanted story. to honestly i i suck at everything else this is what i had to do if i didn't do this i don't know what i <laughs> <laughs> like i can't build anything I, my math sucks like i don't i don't know what else i would possibly be doing if it wasn't like talking to you like this or being on tv so i from a young age i wanted to do sports i wanted to be around sports i knew i it was just a natural fit and then um, uh, a sports network here locally in Toronto called the Score Television Network, which was like number three among the big sports networks in Canada. And they who were also looking for cheap young labor because the budget wasn't the same. They gave a, a bunch of young broadcasters like myself a chance. And um, and it spawned some it spawned some significant careers <laughs> like we were like. 
I've heard it described. It's not my description, but I, I'll steal it. We were we were the expos of sports broadcasting in Canada. We were, you know, we were like the '94 expos, where it's just Larry Walker and just a bunch of guys. Uh, but they never got that kind of level of respect until maybe they left somewhere else. Um, so that's kind of, that's how it started. And then I started at, uh, I started doing radio at Rogers in 2011. That led to another kind of chapter of a TV career in 2015. And then just recently, I'm doing uh, morning television here in Toronto. So it's been it's been a hell of a ride. And uh, and the best part is I've been allowed to kind of I've been allowed to feed my soccer appetite the entire time. People people know full well what the sport means to me. And and honestly, up here in Canada, especially in the Toronto area, considering how multicultural it is up here, um, you know, every two years come tournament time, people can't help but jump on that bandwagon. So it's great. It's it's been it's been a lot of fun to be uh, to be a football fan uh, in this city because I've worked for some amazing people who just let me geek out on it. So um, so that's I've been wanting to do broadcasting my whole life is a long way to answer uh, your question and. Uh, yeah, it's been, I don't know what else I'd be doing, honestly. Yeah, I know. I think you said it best. Uh, I'm kind of the same way. I, I actually grew up, I always loved the weather and I thought about being a meteorologist. Problem was this thing called math and I sucked at it. <laughs> so it probably worked out better that, um, you know, I'm, I'm known as a talker. So I think that went well, but that's probably true about a lot of us. You know, we all suck at everything else. But we're thankful that we found that one uh, big thing. And, uh, and obviously, in your case, of course, it's uh, broadcasting. And, you know, I have to ask you because, um, you know, again, one of the things that you've done, and it's created some tremendous content on television and radio, uh, was like the, the audio clip that I played before, you know, I started interviewing you where back in 2014, during halftime of the game against, you know, Germany, we're losing three to nothing. And, you know, here you are. On, t- on television, ta- by the way, you guys are not even don't have the rights to the game. You're not broadcasting it, but here you are following it. Um, and I just thought that was amazing. Um, I mean, what do you do? Do you go to your boss and say, oh, by the way, there's a big game today. And I want to dedicate the next two hours to watching this game, you know, and uh, I would like you to let me do it. Like, how, how do you pull that off? I mean, most people wouldn't be able to go to their boss and say, oh, by the way, I know we got this thing happening today in sports, but today I want to talk about the World Cup. I mean, how do you pull that <laughs> off? Well, the, the beauty of that uh, of that time of year, if you're doing sports in Toronto, is essentially, aside from maybe the NBA Finals and Stanley Cup Finals, it's Jays and that's about it. So if you're looking for some content in June and early July, these tournaments are gold because a everyone's wrapped up in them. B usually some crazy stuff does happen. Um, so really it's, it's, it's not a, it's, 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 honestly, it was an easy sell because at that point the bosses are like trusting you, you know, go ahead, fill three hours. And if they trust you to do that, then that gives us an open canvas to, or to do whatever we want. So, uh, it's, it's an easier sell than you would think. It's an e- especially at that time of year because they, because at the time Tim and I had been working together for such a long time, we just they the bosses trusted us. They may not have hundred percent agreed with everything we did, but if it's especially if it's a live moment like that, I think it's good to be a show that's known for not shutting off the obvious thing that's happening. And I think Tim and I were excellent at that. We would never ignore. Like, I think when the new Pope got voted in, I think we talked about it. Like, we, it doesn't matter what was happening. Like, we, 
we just were looking at the chimney like everyone else and just we like just stuff like that right so it was an easy sell um and, and quite frankly if they told me i couldn't watch that game while i'm doing a radio show it would have fallen on hugely deaf ears so they, <laughs> they wouldn't have even they wouldn't have even tried right so but man that game still pisses me off like to have a tournament just end so like you just knew it was over like you can't lose those that first group game like that you just can't do it you just and pep got sent off right yeah, he got sent off. Yeah. Pep got sent off. Not the first time that sentence has ever been uttered, but Pep got sent off. Oh man, that like at least give yourself some breathing room after the first game. Give yourself some wiggle room to man, was I pissed off. As you could hear. <laughs> but, yeah. but easy sell for the bosses to answer your question because they trusted us. And even if they said no to hell with it, I was going to watch the game anyway. Yeah, but you know what it was? It was such great television. Um, cause you know, one of the biggest things that goes on these days is, um, and it's something that started in England is they have these things. I'm not sure if you're familiar with this, where they've got these big fan channels and a lot of these guys are watching the game, but you're not necessarily watching the game. You're watching them watch the game. So you're watching these guys just go crazy every time their team scores and then go absolutely nuts when the team doesn't score. And that's kind of like a new thing that's been happening, but you know, you in a way, um, you know, the first time I ever saw something like that was when you did it back in 2014, um, you know, obviously with regards to Portugal. And then you also did a skit after the World Cup where, you know, Portugal, unfortunately, you know, as we know, they, uh, you know, they lost, they drew with the USA and then they played, I think it was Ghana and uh, they won, but it was too late. And, you, you know, you had a bit of a tirade, but it makes for good television. And then two years later, the penalty kicks versus Poland. You know, you're sitting on a couch there's a split screen between you and Tid, you know, Tim, and you're going crazy. And I just think it made for great television. You know, so I just wanted to, uh, you know, mention that. Um, I saw an interview that you did with RTP. Um, your brother was on as well. And you were kind of talking about, um, you know, your success. Um, your hero, one of your idols is Nuno Matos. Yes. I mean, I... I... I, mean, I don't want to speak for you, but Noon, like, where would we be without Noon Mach? Where would we be <laughs> without that man painting the picture for everybody? Where would we be without um, his energy, his 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 drive, his passion? I, one of the one of the best things I ever saw, and I was so happy they were rolling video on it, was just that night in Paris at the end of 2016, where we saw we saw the broadcast crew just in in their moment, and I just think. I, they deserve that, you know, like I was really happy to see that go viral and not just among like fans of the Celisau and Portuguese soccer fans, but noon much is, I still don't think he gets the love that he deserves. Like I know against, I know amongst our, our group of, of sports fans, like we know noon much and what he means, but he's so amazing and so over the top and so passionate and so good at, at bringing you into the game. Like, uh, it's just, um, you know, and, and my brother, once in a while, the beauty of our of our situation at Rogers is the freedom we do get. Like, like my brother works for Sportsnet 590, the fan, which is an all-sports radio station in Toronto, but he also, at the same time, does hits for our all-news channel, 680 News. And Noon Mach has slipped into 680 News sports updates regularly. So you're driving around Toronto on the DVP or the Gardner Expressway or the 401. You you may hear on your way home a little noon match, which I which makes me smile every time I think about it. So, uh, yeah, we are big 
uh, we're big Noon Mach fans up here. No question. Yeah, Nunu is. I met him actually um, when uh, they came to the U.S. before they went to the Brazil. Uh, they were training at the New York Jets training facility. And uh, I was able to, the people that were running the games, I was able to help them out. And I had a chance to talk to him on the side. And, uh, you know, I think one of the reasons why he doesn't get his due is because uh, the play-by-play in Portugal, a lot of those guys have a lot of personality behind them. And, um, you know, you probably know, I mean, in Portugal, you turn on the radio and there's literally five different stations broadcasting Porto Benfica or Sporting or the national team. I mean, there's no lack of choices. Whereas on television, you only have you know, generally one choice, but uh, I didn't, I didn't notice that you mentioned that on that RTP interview uh, they did did with your brother. I thought that was uh, very interesting. And um, let me just say, so you had this, I mean, fantastic career sports net, and then you decide to make a bit of a change. You decide to do morning television. Um, So you're doing afternoon drive time talk and now you're getting up at what? Three or four o'clock in the morning. Uh, well, let's call it 315. Yeah, <laughs> let's call it 315. <laughs> um, I mean, first off, I mean, that's got to be the physical part of that. That's got to be, you know, here you are. You probably get to sleep in a little bit late after watching the sports for the previous night. You get your thoughts together. Boom. You go do, you know, the show on Sportsnet with the radio. Um, I mean, th- that cannot be easy to get up that early drive to the studio and as you know with morning uh, television breakfast television you've got to be and that i think that's one of the great one of your great tributes is the fact that you're just you're just very you've got you know very quick with your remarks they're very witty um but you got to keep that energy going for a few hours early in the morning i mean how do you do it that's that that's the one thing i'm still it's going to take a few months to get that pacing right because i i the sleep i've got down and that was the biggest concern i had but i'm you know kind of 9 30 10 o'clock i'm out and it's 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 been constant you know i'm not struggling like the sleep's been like when i've woken up i've been ready um but when i'm noticing because it's like a three and a half hour show um you know there are there are moments where you're not on camera where the energy naturally dips a little bit that's what i need to work on is to keep that like you like you nailed it you got to kind of it's a long show and I'm working with a co-host and Dina Pugliese, whose energy is incredible. So I'm just trying to keep up. Uh, but I think, give me a couple months and I think, you know, I'll, it's like anything else, you know, you'll figure out which corners to cut and, 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 and I'll, I think I'll figure that out. I'm pretty good. I'm a, I'm a creature of habit. And when I find that rhythm, I think, I think I'll be okay. But that's been, that has been hands down the biggest challenge. I thought it was going to be the sleep. It's not the sleep. It's the pacing of, of a show of that length. Uh, but I'll, I'll, I'll get there. I'll get there. Yeah. And you know, another challenge that you must have is, you know, you know, you're obviously a sports guy, you know, you know about the nuances of sports, the traditions, everything that goes on. Now you go to the morning to- uh, show and it's more mainstream, a little bit of politics, a little bit of general news. Um, you probably find yourself probably more than you did previously doing a lot more homework. It, there's a, you know, I was in one specific lane for a long time and, and now it's, it's all open. It's news, entertainment, um, you know, quirky videos that, that go viral and, and, but still, and also sports. Um, and the beauty of it is like, I, I'll still, I'll still talk plenty of sports. Cause it's a type it's a type of show where if, if one of the local teams makes a run, 
like if the Jays turn out to be that kind of team, you know, if 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 the Leafs and and I know a lot of American hockey fans haven't probably haven't seen it probably all year, but the Leafs are having one of their better years they've had in in decades. If they make a long playoff run, you know, we're going to be immersed in it. So I'll still get to kind of scratch that itch, so to speak. But I do one of the reasons why I kind of did this was I do I I, I love the challenge of having all of that in front of me. Because nobody would think a sports guy could make this kind of transition. So I would love to just prove some people wrong. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I'm very happy with how the first little stretch has gone. And because I haven't had a perfect show yet, like I'm, 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 I'm learning a bit every day. Uh, but I, I love this challenge. I love having all of that prep in front of me and, and trying to navigate it and, and go on air and be coherent in a way that people where people trust me. So I, I love that kind of stuff. Like I make it like I, I bathe in the chaos of broadcasting, like make it more difficult. I love it. Yeah. And I got to tell you, I, when I was doing research for this uh, in terms of what you're doing now, uh, some of the skits that you were doing was funny. One, I think it was on Monday of this week, uh, you were doing something like, you know, aerobics exercising and uh, you and Dina were literally in your, regular clothes doing exercises jumping jacks um that must have been an experience that that's that's every day we do it we call it moving in the morning and what i find is people like some people at home are actually doing it with us we have we have like an actual sanctioned professional uh trainer in in and we and we do different genres of training uh but we my only my only regret is i i don't have enough time in the commercial to change into something more appropriate <laughs> so i got right. and same with same with dina like dina's in a dress well so we got to kind of do it that way but it's um it is it is such a unique show every day like no show is the same and uh I, honestly i probably lost about five pounds doing that that segment every day moving in the morning so my wife my wife appreciates it definitely so there you go. You get a little bit more exercise. And another skit that I saw was um, it was the skit with the eggs. You know, what is a hard boiled egg and which one wasn't hard boiled? And you have to like <laughs> break it to figure it out. Yeah, that was yesterday. We tried to I forgot that if you just palm an egg, whether it's raw or hard boiled, it's not breaking. Like, I believe I did that science experiment when I was eight and I completely forgot about it. So I felt I felt kind of dumb after, but but this is this like we're just kind of dipping our toe in what we can do on air, and it's really exciting. Like we're because we're still in a COVID broadcast state, right? Like we don't have people coming in studio. The newsroom is fifth is ten percent full. Um, it's it, you know I if I can, if I can find a rhythm in this environment, like it's going to be. I think we can do some damage when we get back to norm, to some some level of normalcy. So. But it's fun. But like that's the kind of stuff I like. I like like right now. It's a show where, we, like yesterday's show, like the one you're citing. We started off, you know, we just had a four week shutdown here in Ontario. Uh, it was it was announced yesterday? So that's all anyone was talking about off the front of the show. We spent forty five minutes talking about that, and then we do the egg thing, try and lighten it up, right? Like we do. It's just mm -hmm. it's it's so unique and so different, and I think it's I think it's it's a really, it's a perfect challenge. Like it's, cause not a lot of people can do it properly. And Dean is such an incredible talent. And that team around us is so incredible. And all the other honor people at BT, they're phenomenal. Like when we find our rhythm past COVID, like I think we're going to do some damage. I'm really excited about being a part of this team. 
Yeah, no, I've, I've watched uh, some clips and it's very exciting. Like you said, it's very different. Um, you know, in sports, you kind of know what's coming your way in the next week or so by looking at the schedule. But what you do in the morning show, I mean, you guys literally every other day are probably creating something new, talking about a new thing, poking fun at something. Um, so it, it's definitely a lot more fun. And let me ask you about, uh, I saw a promo of you when they were promoting you for the morning show. And it was about the fact that you were a big Portugal fan. And it said in that promo that you had seen three Celestone games in your life, three national team games in your life. I hope I got that right. Do you know remember those three games? It's, uh, I'm trying to, th yeah, it's three. I was, um, no, it's actually, forgive me, it's four. Because I went to two tournaments. I was, I was in Holland and Belgium in 2000. Oh, that's a good one. So that was one of the great ones. Um, so I saw Portugal's last group game against Germany when when Conceição had yeah. the hat trick in Rotterdam, and Rotterdam was just that's a spectacular stadium. So and I believe Portugal had it already wrapped up. Like it's not as if Conceição needed to do it, but they that, that's the some of the best soccer I've seen them play. Then that same tournament in Amsterdam, uh, I saw them beat Turkey in the quarterfinal, mm. and. To the to the to the credit of the Turkish fans, I they're still even in defeat. Were some of the loudest supporters I've ever heard in my life. Uh, that was an experience, and uh, I think I believe Figo had a penalty in that one. And then I was in Brussels for the uh, Abel Javier handball game, the oh. semifinal. But what I what I do remember, I try not to remember that part of it. I remember two things. One, I bought a bunch of local beer, which we stashed in our bus. I went with a bunch of Canadians. And then after the game, the cherry on the, on, on the Sunday was my beer was gone. So not only do I watch Portugal lose that game, the, the, somebody teethed my beer, which I'm still pissed about. <laughs> but, but, but the great memory for me was just when Nuno Gomes hit, hit that goal from I don't know how many meters he was out. I, there was a, just that moment where you're like, are we going – are we going to a final against Italy? Like just for 20 minutes or whatever that was, is this going to happen? I still, I cherish those 20 minutes. <laughs> I, I cherish that stretch, but those were the three games I saw. And uh, me and me and my brother and a few of my cousins, we were in Portugal for Euro 2004 and we were at Luge for England, Portugal. Mm, oh boy. That was a big one. That was a gong show. I mean, that was, we were upper deck and it was just a smorgasbord of who you're, because the English, you know, the English travel, like they were everywhere. And that game is, that's, that's probably the best live event I've ever seen in my life with the ebbs and flows and everything that happened there and then Rooney scoring and then he gets hurt. And I'm yelling at people down a few rows from me, where's Rooney now? And Portugal comes back and just, it was insane. So technically, it's four at a high, at like in in the tournaments. But I've um, going going over there for those experiences. Like it was it was a different world because for the for even for two thousand four, like I went to Guimarães for I would just drive up for a game because I didn't know what the ticket situation would be, and so I I, I took a train up to Guimarães, and it was what was it? It was Italy Denmark. And there are there are people you can get tickets for at cost if not less, and I remember I walked past a, a, 
a, pa- a patio, you know, your typical old school Portuguese guys just sitting around on the patio. And one guy calls me over and, he, and wanted, I had my ticket out. He wanted to look at my ticket and I show him the ticket and he looks at it and he says, and he, I, I could pick up what he said. He said, Maritimo Guimaraes is a better game than this. And he handed my <laughs> ticket back to me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that kind of. So my, my one regret is I haven't seen club football in Europe like that. I haven't experienced that yet. But those experiences in 2000, 2004 were unbelievable, unreal. Yeah, I was actually at Euro 2004. I actually went to the Spain-Portugal game in Alvalade. Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo played that game, but uh, Portugal won to nothing on a Nuno Gomes uh, goal. Yeah. And that Portugal-England game you're talking about, um, I unfortunately was on a plane back to the States when that game was going on and the pilot of the plane, um, you know, I, I could have stayed, but I think it would have been like another eight, $900 to change my ticket and I had to go back to my life. But the pilot every 10 or 15 minutes would give us an update on the plane. I mean, here we are in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean and every time he gave good Portugal news, the plane would erupt. I mean, it was, <laughs> you know, I, I think if we had social media back then, people would have captured that and that would have just been, you know, especially for the organizers, a dream come true to know that here's this plane in the middle of the ocean and people are still enjoying the Euro thanks to the pilot. But I remember that game and I remember when I finally landed, um, I finally found out that Portugal won and Rui Costa's goal. And I mean, that was just all, uh, you know, fantastic. And uh, so that, that was one of my memories. I've been to seven or eight games in my life, including any time that they've played in the uh, States. Um but uh, yeah, that was uh, pretty awesome. And, and let me ask you a question. I know your brother, Alex, is a known Benfica fan, um, you know, because as we know, in Portugal, everybody has to like Porto Benfica or sporting. Otherwise, you're not really a football fan. Do you have a do you have a favorite among the big three or perhaps somebody else? Oh, it's Benfica. Yeah, 100 percent. Like if you if you growing up in, uh, you know, you if you grew up in my house, it was Benfica 100 percent. No, no question about it. My dad has a hatred for Porto that I cannot understand. Like it is, he would rather, if he had a choice, I swear to God, if he had a choice between watching Benfica win any trophy or watching Porto lose the final in any competition, he would take Porto. So I, I, I am a Benfica fan from birth uh, because my dad was that passionate and, uh, yeah, de- definitely. It's definitely Benfica. This has been a rough year. This team is terrible. Um, I don't know where they go from here. All the João Felix money is gone. I don't know what you do next. But um, especially with Sporting turning out, like Sporting is going to make probably, what, 200 million euros off some of these kids? Or oh, the next that's the way it's looking like in the future. Honestly, like, and, and just, and I've, I've really, I made a point of, of watching, you mentioned Nunmenge, uh, a little earlier, you know, just kind of, I, I rarely do this, but I've been, I've been taping some sporting games and just watching him. And he is a, he is a thoroughbred like, and he's 18. It's really frightening actually. <laughs> like he, you don't have to, like he could be better than he's not as fast as Alfonso Davies, but he's, there's something different about him. He's just, he, he takes over, <clears throat> excuse me. He takes over that side of the field. So um, yeah, my concern is not only Benfica wasted the Joan Felix funds, but Sporting is going to replenish here clearly. And um, so, 
the, the only good thing for, I think, if you're a Porter Mefica fan right now, is that Ruben Amadine is probably not going to hang around that much longer. No, he's gone very as, soon. Like, he's Mourinho. I'm, yeah. I'm, he terrifies me. Like, he's he's already got a trophy under in his back pocket. Um, he went to Sporting with minimal funds and is churning out a team that's going to, with ease, win this league. He's... Like I, it's it's frightening how successful he's been, right out of the gate, and we've seen this story before. Like I, I, I just hope he doesn't go to like Qatar or someplace where we never get to really follow him that closely. But, um, yeah, but this is not a good situation for Benfica because Ports still know what they're doing, obviously, and they can win that tie starting next week. Actually, I just read Conte is going to miss the yeah. first leg for Chelsea, so Port have Port have a shout, man. I'm not I'm not ruling Porto out of that tie at all. Uh, although Thomas Tuchel is a really good manager. So, I mean, obviously Porto is not the favorite. I'm rambling. My point is Benfica are awful, just awful. And I don't know where you go from here. I really don't. By the way, let me just say that I probably made a mistake asking you who your fan is in Portugal because I can, can I see the sporting and Porto fans right now? Like, what? It's a Cheryl's a Benfica fan. That's it. I ain't going to watch any of his work anymore. <laughs> Um, That's it, John. You hijacked my entire career. Good I'm point. so sorry. Please apologize <laughs> to the folks. But, uh, you know, that's how it works in, uh, as you know, that's how it works in Portugal. I remember a few years ago, there was, uh, I, can't, I can't remember if it was Vodafone or one of the, tele, uh, the you know, the, the, the mobile phone companies. They, I think, sponsored just Benfica. And what they discovered was a year or two later, that a lot of the sporting and Porto fans would not buy their product because they were essentially sponsoring Benfica. So a lot of times you do see individual sponsors with the clubs, but a lot of times sponsors like to try to do all big three because, you know, if you say you're a fan of one club, you're almost alienating everybody else. And uh, that's how, that actually happened. I've read about that story a few times. And yeah, let me tell you something. I, I've been saying this about Ruben Amarin that, um, you know, Portugal, the Liga is, and this hurts us why I don't think the Liga ever gets a lot of attention because people only find out about us after the fact when, you know, players are sold, but Portugal is like a garden and we do such a beautiful job with our garden, our tomatoes, our cucumbers, everything is just big and juicy. And then all these big clubs come in and they buy them and they leave. And um, the problem with us in Portugal is that nothing sticks around a very long time. And I think that Ruben Amarin, I've said this in past episodes, is definitely on his way out. And, and, you know, the other thing also that's very tough sometimes is, you know, if the Maple Leafs found out that their best player was going to go play for the Rangers in the middle of the Maple Leafs season, um, I think a lot of people in Toronto would be very upset, correct? Correct. You know, it's not part of the culture, you know, to have a player already, but in Portugal, our players are very used to being discussed going to other clubs. And that's part of the culture of being a Portuguese fan. And I think I tell sporting fans that, yes, you are going to be losing Ruben Amarin. It probably not necessarily be this summer, but it's going to happen because I think at the end of the day, someone is going to spend, I think his buyout is like 20 million. Um, and they bought him for like 10 million in interest from Braga. So he's uh, going to definitely uh, leave. And uh, I will also say this about uh, Benfica. Um, to me, it's very fascinating because, you know, here's JJ. He had all this success with Benfica. Then he goes to Brazil and he inherits a very good team and he makes them a lot better. And everybody last summer 
after what happened with Bruno Lage, wanted JJ back. They all wanted him back. And now things haven't worked out and people are very interested in seeing him leave. And it's just, um, I just find that crazy how one day he goes from being this absolute God where all the TV stations show his plane landing in Lisbon when they came, when uh, Luis Felipe Vieira went to go get him in Brazil. And now all of a sudden people want to see the video of him on a plane going to Turkey or going to Greece to become a manager. Um, it's just one of the fascinating things that I find about being, um, you know, a, a Portuguese uh, fan. And um, so when are you going to get out to Portugal when things are normal to go see a club game? Is that, that in your plans? Uh, you know what? It's, it's, it's going to be tough just because like, again, when I, when I plan on going back, we're probably going to do, uh, we're probably going to do San Miguel again, just because the whole family had such a great time. Like it's tough. Now, could I easily fly over and get in some games anywhere? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, hell we can, we could do some Santa Clara games while we're there. You know, you know, we might as well. Like I'd love to be in San Miguel when one of the big three invade <laughs> for that weekend. Like I've, I've heard stories. I heard it's quite the uh, it, it's 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 quite the weekend whenever a, a big three makes the flight over, but um, yeah, I, I I would love to I would love to one day I don't know when, but uh, it's definitely it's definitely uh, on the bucket list for sure. Yeah, and you know one of the other things also is um, when Santa Clara came up to the first division and they got promoted, I remember reading a story about some type of travel agency that wanted to set up these uh, charters from Toronto to the Azores. And they wanted to set up these charters around the big three games when they would come to Punta Delgada and nothing ever came of it. But I remember that tweet. Um, I thought it was just a regular everyday story, not a big deal, but it just exploded. And uh, for all those entrepreneurs out there, especially in the travel industry, if you're trying to, uh, you know, boost up your, uh, you know, your business, I think, uh, especially in the estates, a uh, little idea, get it, get yourself a little charter business going whenever the big three come to the Azores or even a Braga, I think people would be genuinely surprised how many people would actually hop on a plane. Cause I think Toronto, New York to uh, the Azores is probably what, three and a half hours, maybe. Toronto, New York. I mean, Toronto, New York, Azores. When we went over, it was like five, it was like four and a half, five hours. Okay. We took a direct from Toronto to the Azores. Uh, but that's, listen, man, when we're coming out of this pandemic, let's be honest, air, airlines are going to have to get a little creative here. And I think what you just pitched makes a lot of sense. In, in the normal world, years ago, that idea made sense, let alone now. So I think if I owned an airline, especially one that does a lot of Portuguese business, that's that's a pretty good idea. I might pitch it to a few people up here, actually, if you don't mind. <laughs> and I want some royalties, my man. If, if you guys you go. to get this. Appreciate it, John. Appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> if you get this off the ground, you know, I want uh, some royalties. And um, I want to talk about Ontario because um, Canada is, in terms of my analytics over the years, maybe the fifth and sixth most visited country um, that I have. But Toronto is just humongous. Um, I mean, how big is the Portuguese population in Toronto and in Ontario? I mean, everyone talks about New Jersey and the States, Massachusetts, some parts of California. Uh, obviously we know France is much bigger, but I mean, there's a lot of Portuguese in Canada. I mean, um, I mean, tell me a little bit about the community up there. It's, it's passionate, it's big. Uh, I couldn't give you a specific number yet, but I mean, there's enough, 
um, Portuguese cultural centers in Southern Ontario alone. I know we're, we're part of one here in Mississauga, which is about, uh, about 40 minutes west of Toronto, uh, that we frequent all the time. And um, look, all I can say is that there is a real, the, people are really proud to have Portuguese blood in them up here. Very proud. And, and not just the old school generation, right? Like there's a new, you know, there's a generation X coming through here where it's the same, the same passion with them as it was with our folks and our grandparents. It's, it's, it, it doesn't change. And, you know, it's, it, is, is soccer a part of that? Absolutely. You know, absolutely. It's a way to connect generations, but just generally it's a huge population. And, um, you know, whether you go through Montreal or Toronto or again, when I, when I was in San Miguel a couple of years ago, like I was running into like a guy from Winnipeg stopped me who was Portuguese and watched Sportsnet and Tim and I a lot. And you, you, you will find the Portuguese community all over the country. Now in Toronto and Montreal, it's a bit thicker, no doubt it's bigger. Um, but it's just, there's just, people are really proud to have Portuguese blood in them in this country. And, uh, it's great. It's fantastic. And, uh, and it really, it really comes out every two years. You see it consistently, but every two years it's different, just a little different. Yeah. And by the way, uh, if you're not following and by the way, if you're not following him, why aren't you, you should follow Sid on uh, Twitter. And <laughs> I have you. to tell you a few months ago, or maybe it was last year. I can't actually, it was probably pre pandemic. Of course, there was a video that you put on your, your, uh, your feed where you were at, I guess a Portuguese restaurant. And, and I remember your, your caption was, this is how it was Portuguese roll. And you were showing this incredible <laughs> food that was laid out. Um, yeah, it must've been within the past two years. I think you went to a Portuguese restaurant. I'm not sure if you went to a wedding, you know, the tweet I'm talking about. Oh, that well, that was a night at our poor, at the uh, Portuguese club here locally in Mississauga, Ontario that we, that was our fish night. So, oh um, so our guys, we had literally, we had ice trucks in the back running all day just to hold the fish and the crab and everything and, and the shrimp and everything that was going to get done that night. Oh, the, we did it big. <laughs> oh, you can see big. it in that video. I mean, that was incredible. I mean, I I, yeah, I went two years ago. When I, yeah, two years ago, um, Sporting came to play Liverpool at Yankee Stadium. And uh, the main uh, attraction at this event was Verandas, the president. And uh, it was something like, I guess, 30 bucks. And obviously, when a Portuguese team comes in town, one way or another, I'm going to get myself in. And the layout of the food, just like what we saw in that video, was incredible. Um, and it wasn't a good idea because it was like a Tuesday night. And I usually don't go, I don't eat that much on a Tuesday night. I try to enjoy myself more on weekends. But us Portuguese, man, I think you would agree, Sid, we love to eat. Here, here. You know, we here, just, here. And that I regret video, nothing, yes. That video was incredible. So I encourage people to go and, and kind of scroll down um, and watch it because, uh, that was, uh, you know, one day, the next time I'm in Toronto, um, you know, I want to go to one of these like places and, and, you know, see the food. And, you know, like I said, I'm a big fan of Toronto. And one of the other things, by the way, that's very good about Toronto and in, in my trips up there is you guys actually have local FM radio up there that, um, I remember one time listening to the Relatu of Antenna Wung, Antenna One, on your local FM station up there. I think it's CIRV or something yep, like that. Yeah, Surf FM. Yep, 88.9. Yeah. 
Yeah, and, and you don't, the only other place that does that is in Southern Massachusetts. Um, and I envy you, but thankfully, thanks to uh, technology, uh, we don't have to uh, worry about that. Um, you know, we can obviously follow, you know, sports now even better, especially the Portuguese league. Um, only going to take up a few more minutes of your time. I know you got some errands to uh, run today. And again, I want to say thank you for taking time out um, and coming on the uh, podcast and talking about your love for uh, Portugal and, you know, your uh, background. And um, I want to kind of switch to sports generally here in North America, if you don't mind. And um let me ask you a question. Is the biggest team in Toronto, because I saw what happened when the Raptors won the finals, but is, is the Maple Leafs the really big team in Toronto? Yes. Yeah. I, th- I, that nothing that will never change. You know, I think there, there is just something, you know, it's this, it's like, I'm watching you right now with a Yankees hat on. If I were to ask you year after year after year, and even if the Knicks are good, and even if the New York Giants have a capable quarterback, which they don't now. Like what, like if I were to ask you what the biggest team in New York is year after year, you're going to give me Yankees. I would guess, right, John? Uh, yes. So it's, it's the, 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 the Leafs are the Yankee. Every market has their Yankees. The Leafs are Toronto's Yankees. Um, that will never change. Now we can have conversations off that. Uh, and I'm sure in your area, in New York, you know, that's always a great conversation. Who's the second most popular team in New York in that moment. Um, up here, you know, when the Raptors were doing their thing, there wasn't, there was no doubt. And for a moment there, you can argue the Raptors, just because there is a bandwagon element, obviously, to what went on there. Uh, you can argue the Raptors were ahead of them. I mean, I was in the middle of a parade with 2 million people. Like I saw it firsthand. I saw, I saw what that team can, can mean to them, to the community here. But what I also told people was, listen, if 2 million people come out for the Raptors, it's going to be 4 million if the Leafs ever get their act together and win a Stanley Cup. I guarantee it. Um, so I would say Leafs number one. Um, right now, just because of what's happened with the Raptors a little bit, I would say the Jays, and I know you're going to think I'm nuts, but that win yesterday against the Yankees up here went over big. Yeah. Big. You know, George Springer out. Garrett Cole on the mound, you get the win. It was a, it got some traction up here. So I'd say Jays are just a little bit ahead of the Raptors right now. Um, and Toronto FC of Major League Soccer probably fourth. So that's kind of – but the Leafs, the Leafs will always be number one. And people may argue me on that. I, I, they're wrong. The Leafs are the Yankees of Toronto, 100%. Yeah, it's uh, like I said, I know there's a lot of passion for hockey, just like there's a lot of passion in Montreal for the uh, Canadians. And uh, uh, I've always been uh, very interested um, in, you know, seeing that. But I'm, I'm rooting for the Maple Leafs. I mean, I'm a Ranger fan, um, but I also like the Devils. But I grew up as a Ranger fan and I got to see them break uh, their many years curse of not winning. And it would seem like I don't know, you know, the Cubs won, the Red Sox won. I would say maybe the Maple Leafs are maybe the next big team in North America that's got to finally get the uh, the drought off their back. Um, I would say that's the big one. And another thing I also wanted to ask you, um, you know, Canada right now, because of the restrictions, all their professional teams are playing in the United States. You know, you got the Raptors playing in Florida. Um, where is uh, where are the Blue Jays playing? They're playing in Florida too, or is it still Buffalo? They're going to be, yeah, the Jays are going to be in Dunedin for about a month in three weeks like they can't with the heat they can't play in Dunedin into June it's just not realistic so the general feeling is the Jays after two months are going to go back up to Buffalo 
um, and which actually kind of played to their strengths as a ballpark a little bit. I'm sure it was surprising how, how well they played there. So the feeling is they're going to go Dunedin for a couple of months, Buffalo for an undetermined amount of time, and then eventually, um, probably with no fans, but eventually back to the Rogers Center here in Toronto, and then some semblance of normalcy will continue. The Canadian hockey teams, it's interesting though, John, they've been, they've been playing each other up here, so there's been no cross-border travel into the States, but uh, COVID has kind of, for the first time in the last few weeks, infiltrated a few of the teams up here. The Canadians just had a week break where they had some cases. The, the Vancouver Canucks yesterday, it was revealed they have a couple of cases, so they're going to spend a week on the sidelines. So they've lived a bit of a charmed life up here scheduling-wise. Um, so hopefully this is just a, a bump in the road. But, yeah, the Raptors – I felt for the Raptors. The Raptors have been in an incredible spot. Like, And then they got hit with COVID playing out of Tampa. I just – I like I feel – that's a likable team. Like Fred Van Vliet is one of the good guys in the business. Um, and to see them have to go through that, I know it was necessary, but it was tough. It was tough to watch because that's a better team than they're showing. Um, but yeah, that's the situation. It's been weird, but honestly, John, I've, uh, I've, I've, I'd rather take this than no sports at all. Cause we lived through that a year ago and I, we were doing a three hour radio show with no sports, Tim and I for a stretch. Oh. I do not want to go down that road again, and nor do I wish that upon any of my colleagues. So some sports, when safely done, uh, is better than no sports. With that said, the Jays are going to be playing in front of, I believe, 40,000 people in Arlington on Monday. Oh, that's, I, that is incredible. Yeah, like I, that's going to be a visual. Oh, I, was, I, was, I was zipping around last night, and I, brought, I found Rockies Dodgers. Coors Field looked full. I don't know what the number there was. But John, it was it was amazing to it's it's just a mind bleep to see it after everything we've gone through over the last little bit. Anyway, I'm starting to ramble, but no, it's, no. It, I'd rather I'd rather see some sports. I mean, I have a feeling you're in the same boat. I'd rather see some sports than no sports at all. John, let me ask you something. I haven't heard anything about and and if I and if I missed it, please fill me in. The scheduling for this Euro this summer, are they still going multiple countries on this? Is that still the plan? Yeah, so um, they decided for this Euro, which in hindsight, you know, maybe they should have held it off a little bit later, but that they were going to do it across Europe. And that is the plan right now. And they're supposed to have a meeting. Um, I think it's actually supposed to be in the next two weeks where they're going to decide based on the countries that are in the position to host, how many of them are going to in fact host and if they have to pull games from one city and move it to another one. And a lot of it I think has to do with whether or not, first of all, the COVID situation and whether or not the government will allow it. Um, you know, they, I, they lifted their cap on fans at matches. So I think they want to see fans at matches. Um, I'm not sure yet if you're a country and you say like Portugal, um, Portugal will not allow fan at any soccer matches, even though they have these big stadiums and, they had the world, you know, the, the Champions League there. Um, so, well, I guess what I'm saying is, is they're going to make a decision. And it's really going to come down to the local governments, what they want to do. If they allow fans, I think they stand a better chance of hosting games. Um, and if they don't allow fans, I think there's a, probably a possibility that they're going to move some of those matches to countries where they can play. And um, the schedule as of now hasn't changed. I think it's all the same. I think the biggest question right now is who's going to host? You know, who's going to host a match and where and I think they've got some matches all the way out in, you know, Azerbaijan, 
you know, I'm not really sure right now if it's a good idea to take a five hour trip to Azerbaijan to go play a football match, you know, uh, things of that nature. So that's what I've heard. And I know Portugal, Hungary, from what I understand, does allow fan and matches. But the two, um, they've got two games in Hungary. But they've got the match against Germany in Germany. And we don't know yet what's going to happen with that. I think it's still going to go ahead as scheduled in Munich. But I know Germany right now is having, um, you know, is having some issues. And uh, they're, not, uh, they're not sure. So there's a lot of things that are up in the air. But ultimately, I think they are going to wind up moving some matches around. Uh, Portugal, I don't think is going to get any. I just don't think the government right now is allowing anything. Um, but it's, uh, it's very, um, it's very sad, but, you know, the good thing is, is that they're not allowing 50,000 people into a stadium. So if they're only allowing, let's say five or 10, it's, you know, they pretty much could wait a few more months to make a decision because. Yeah. I just, I, I, I just, I just, the, the, the safe side of me really wishes they would have tried to lock this into like, I just, I don't mind trying to play the tournament this summer to still think you can country hop like that is madness to me because you're going to get bit and then what are you going to do like i just think it's such an easy call to say you know what maybe during a global pandemic this 13 country idea probably isn't a good idea and find the one or two countries whoever they are to 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 help you facilitate what you need to do i just i it's i mean as as you and I sit here on April, I'm still stunned that they're leaving this to chance, considering how much TV money is on the line. And and I, I just I think that's madness to think you can just do that in this environment. Like I know what they're thinking. All oh, the viruses will take hold. Well, you think the viruses will take or sorry, excuse me, the vaccines will take hold. You think the vaccines are going to take hold. Or you can just schedule it for England. Right? Just 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 schedule it for a country that can that can hold something of this size or two countries and make the safe play and regroup in three years and try it again. There's nothing wrong with that. I just I think it's nuts that on April 2nd, they're still thinking they're going to go to a bunch of different countries and not have anything go wrong. I think they're asking. It's one of the dumber moves I've seen a governing body do. And we've seen some dumb governing body decisions in our lifetime. <laughs> I, I think this is nuts. I think it's crazy. Well, you know, Sid, that uh, sports is a business. You know, as much as uh, it gives up people a lot of passion in life and it makes them happy, we all know at the end of the day that it's all a very big business. And it's kind of a tough situation because let's say this was supposed to be all along in England. Or let's say all along it was supposed to be in France or Germany or maybe another Holland, Belgium sharing situation. Um you know, you look at the situation today, uh, some of those countries would probably not want to host any of this period. So maybe the fact that they've got this spread out throughout Europe gives them a little bit more uh, wiggle room to kind of figure out what to do. But unfortunately, you know, I think what they're also planning on doing is like with Japan. I think uh, don't be surprised. You know, no one's going to be allowed to travel to Japan to watch the Olympics. It's just going to be people that live in Japan that are going to be able to go to the games. I wouldn't be surprised if maybe they do something like that in some of these cities where they're hosting games, where they, if they do allow fans, they're only going to allow local fans to go. You know, you won't be able to fly in and go straight to the game. Uh, there's talk about COVID passports in Europe. Portugal, I know, is behind this, where 
you know, if, if, if Sid is in Lisbon and Portugal is playing in Hungary and you want to go watch the game in Hungary, um, in order to get there, you're going to have to have something that says you have the vaccine. And as we know, in Europe compared to, I mean, the United States is, is just doing so much better with the rollout, but Europe isn't. And if you're in a country where the rollout is slow and you don't have an opportunity yet because it just hasn't gotten to you, you know, you're not going to be able to go to the game anyway. So it's a very big mess, but at the end of the day, what matters is that the TV is just going to show what goes on on the pitch. And, you know, if there's no fans in the stands, we've been kind of used to this now for like the past uh, 10 months, but um, you know, there's been some people that have said, well, why don't you just skip it? But there's just too much money writing on the line. Yeah, and, there's that's uh, the they, those are people that don't understand the business side of it that you're talking about. Yeah, that, and that annoys me too. Just skip it. Just do well. They already skipped it once. Like you can't. Like there are contracts here. There, are, there, are, there's mom, there's too much money on the line. Like I just that's a head in the sand thing that annoys me as an argument. But uh, I just could. But that's all. That's all I'm thinking about. Right. Like as a business television entity, just give yourself a really safe play. So the games happen. Like, I didn't think that Champions League, the way they formulated it in Lisbon this past Champions was going to work. It was one of the better things I've ever seen. Yeah. Because you because it was a stationary event. You could kind of control it. And as a TV product, it was amazing. Just don't just just give yourself a chance to do that is my only point. And I don't feel like with this the schedule as currently constituted, you're doing that. You know, like just... I don't know. It's gonna. I, I think we're gonna hear some news, but it is uh, it is ambitious to say the least. To think UEFA can just pull this off as is really ambitious. Yeah, and and I think the other way of also looking at it, you know, in North American sports, when the NHL, NFL, NBA put out their schedules, you know, at least during normal times, you kind of know the schedule for the next nine months. Um, in Europe, uh, a number of the leagues, maybe not necessarily the EPL you know, you kind of know week to week who you're playing, but you don't necessarily know the day of the week. So I think soccer in Europe has that built-in factor where, you know, especially when, you know, the Champions League and, you know, they do these draws and you might have only two or three weeks to turn around the game. I think the culture of soccer football in Europe is used to these type of situations where if they make a decision in the middle of May that they're taking it away from this city and they're moving it to this city, I don't think it's as it would be a very big interruption uh, in Europe. And uh, whereas here in our culture, you know, if you told people, well, we're only releasing the NFL schedule four weeks at a time, uh, or, you know, you're only releasing the NHL schedule, you know, one month at a time, I think that would probably upset a lot of people. Uh, but I think in Europe, they're, uh, they're better handled uh, for that. And um, let me ask you a quick question back to the NHL. You mentioned that all the Canadian teams are playing each other and then all the teams in the States. Uh, what happens in the playoffs? I mean, do, they, do the Canadian teams just play each other? And then eventually there's a Canadian representative in the Stanley Cup? Like, how's that working out? That's the plan. I, I, every division is going to have their top four play off against each other. And um, hopefully by the end of the Canadian division playoffs, the border, well, I mean, you can fly into the States and it's fine. Like even if a Canadian team has to be stationary in a U.S. city for what would be a Stanley Cup semifinal, you could probably do that. Uh, the, you know, hopefully the border's open by by then i'm not convinced canadian government's being very careful because the rollout here has been excruciatingly slow 
Um, what I think is going to happen is whoever wins that Canadian division flies down and wh- whichever team they're pitted up against, uh, they, they play all the games in the same city. And if the Canadian team is the home team in specific games, maybe you don't sell tickets to local fans. I don't know. Just, it's just a thought I have. Cause I don't, I don't, I'm not convinced you'll be able to fly back and forth at that stage for a Stanley cup semifinal into Canada. If you're an American team now, if 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 most teams are vaccinated, that's a different ballgame. And you know, I um, Mike Schilt, the manager of the St. Louis Cardinals, this week said eighty five percent of the Cardinals are already vaccinated. So who knows how many hockey teams might be vaccinated by that? But uh, that is the plan to have the Canadian representative come out of the division. Um, you play two semifinals, one final winner wins the North, and then you cross over based on record. Hopefully that's that's how it works out. <laughs> Hopefully. So this might actually finally, and I'm, I'm going to have a little bit of fun with you. This might actually finally get a Canadian team into the Stanley Cup finals. Well, you know, you're not having fun. <laughs> you're being actually very accurate. <laughs> you're being extremely accurate with me. And um, look, it's, it's from a TV side here in Canada, because I work for Rogers Communications, who spent about $5 billion on national rights. It's going to be a big deal to have three rounds of Canadian teams on television. It financially, that is going to make a lot of sense. So if, if a Canadian team, whoever that is, can get to that next step, which would be a final, that would be enormous. The be- best chance we've had in years to have a Canadian team in the final. Ottawa Senators are the last Canadian team, I believe, to be in a Stanley Cup final, which is hilarious in hindsight. But uh, yeah, we, we'd, I'd, I'd be all for that up here. Yeah, it's so, but you know, that's, you know, when we talk about the Euro and we talk about this with the hockey, I mean, that's what this pandemic has brought us. We've all had to uh, adapt to incredible circumstances, not just, you know, not with sports, but in our personal lives as well. And, you know, you were talking about when you do your morning shot, like there's only 10% of the staff that's allowed in the studio, um, you know, and, or you look at somebody like me who's been working from home the past year, uh, it's just, it's just uh, been an incredible time. And, uh, you know, Sid, I just want to say, first off, uh, first of all, happy Easter. Um, we, of course, are here in the holidays. And uh, I just want to say thank you so much for taking time out to come on to my podcast. Uh, again, I've been following your career for a very long time. I look forward when Portugal wins the Euro this summer to seeing a viral video of you at seven o'clock in the morning running around the studio with Dina celebrating you know, Portugal winning the next Euro. Yeah, I don't know if Dina's going to be all for that, but I, I, I know I will be. <laughs> well, and, and um, I appreciate you uh, having me on. Uh, it's, it's always a pleasure to talk Portuguese soccer uh, anytime because I don't get to do it a ton, so I appreciate it. And, uh, and a happy Easter to you and everyone down, down in the States. And, uh, you know, better days ahead. We'll get through this. And, uh, yeah, hopefully Juan Felix can kind of wake up here and, and they can win that tournament because if he does, then – then, then the Silla sounds going to be a force that you and I have never seen before. But I, I, I worry about that kid a little bit. I worry. But that's for another podcast. How about that? We'll tease that for the for another pod. Oh, I appreciate that. You know, I, I'd love to have you uh, back on. And, uh, hey, uh, continued great work in your career. Uh, continue great work with regards to, you know, your new project now, the uh, morning show. And, uh, you know, uh, again, I wish you the best of luck getting up at 3.15 every morning. Um <laughs> 
But, uh, you know, I just, like I said, I think uh, with your Portuguese background and the way you bring the Portuguese into your career, um, I just think it's uh, fantastic. And, uh, you know, you've done a lot. And I think, you know, it's funny. These days, when people want to become famous in broadcasting, people now start a YouTube channel. People start social media and they try to get famous that way. Um, and there's been some great things, you know, Dave Portnoy, Barstool Sports is a perfect example of, of, of somebody who did it on his own. But, you know, you've done it the old fashioned way and, you know, you've worked your way up in the business. And I think the fact that you made this move to the morning show really talks about, you know, how successful you've been, that you can make this decision and go into morning television. And uh, I just want to continue to wish you the best of luck and continue to keeping raising the Portuguese flag. Um, and making the Portuguese look good in everything that you do. Well, I, I, I appreciate that. And uh, yeah, this is, I feel with the morning show, I'm just kind of getting started in a lot of ways. I'm really excited about this. And um, I will, uh, if anything, my fandom for Portugal uh, will will be allowed to grow even more because they're, 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 they're a really accommodating uh, group on that show. They're, they're fantastic. So yeah, let's you know, let's 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 make that a deal. How about Portugal wins that tournament this summer, and we can get some more viral stuff going online? Because I will be throwing that in people's faces left and right on that show. I guarantee it. <laughs> and I will be happy to share it, tweet it, tweet it, post it. Um, you know, like I said, I'm glad that at least we can look forward to the fact that we're going to be defending our title five years. You know, we uh, since, you know, the last final and uh, we're going to be able to try to defend it this summer. So I'm looking forward to it. Um, Sid, give us your, uh, by the way, off firsthand, how do you say your last name in Portuguese? Sashedo. Sashedo. And how, and they say it in English. Am I saying it right? Six zero? Yep. That's exactly okay. how they say it. Because I was before doing this, I was saying Sashero. But it's I didn't realize. Far. It's not it's far. Close. Actually, one of the highlights of my career till this day is I made a couple of appearances on the Dan Levitard show. And he will always say my last name in the Portuguese dialect. He will always say, say Shadu, and he nails it. Like, he nails it every time. It just <laughs> makes me smile. It's like, if my folks ever heard this, they would smile. They would <laughs> But it was, yeah, it's say Shadu properly. Sixero, Sixero is, my, uh, is my stage name, so to speak, my Canadian stage name. <laughs> Yeah, and I encourage everyone to follow, not just for, obviously, the happenings in uh, Toronto sports, but I know you obviously throw in a lot of stuff mainstream, and not to mention the fact, like we were talking about, you know, whenever you go to a great Portuguese event, you like to show off the uh, Portuguese food, so uh, I want to encourage everyone to uh, follow, um, and again, uh, thank you again, and best of luck. Appreciate it. Take care. Happy Easter. Final segment of the PortugueseSoccer.com podcast. Uh, special thanks to Sid again. And uh, I'm going to play one more audio clip at the very end here in a few minutes. It's uh, basically Sid celebrating uh, Portugal. And and I initially mentioned that it was when Portugal beat France to win Euro 2016. But actually, it's when Portugal defeated Poland on penalty kicks and Ricardo Quaresima scores the winning PK. That's actually what you're going to be listening to here in a, a few minutes. Um Big three news. Uh, well, uh, round 25 is here, week 25. Uh, Porto is the first team to play, playing at home against Santa Clara. Of course, Porto is getting ready 
to play the uh, Champions League uh, uh, this upcoming week against Chelsea. Obviously, if you haven't heard, both matches will be played in uh, Seville, Spain. But Porto begins play this weekend first at home to Santa Clara, which I don't think has scored against Porto in like their last six or seven matches overall against, you know, in all competitions. So Porto has pretty much owned them in their pocket and uh, they'll be uh, playing this weekend. And then on Monday, uh, basically Braga goes down to Ferenc in Algarve. Benfica, which was playing, by the way, really well before the break, uh, we'll see if they can continue their momentum. They're going to be playing at home against Meritimo, who's battling a relegation. They're having a really down year. And then Sporting is going to be going up north to play Moreirense. And hey, folks, it's the uh, beginning of April. Uh, time is running out. Um, and uh, for anybody that has hope about still winning the Liga, you know, uh, this is probably a match that people are going to be rooting for Moide Dance, who's the sixth or seventh best team in the league. But as Carlos Curvial said, uh, the manager of Braga, uh, this sporting team this year in the Liga has just been unbelievably great. Um, they haven't lost yet. And uh, the reality is, is, you know, if they win their next few matches without dropping points, uh, it, it's, you know, it's pretty much done. I think it's pretty much done. But... It's not a few weeks yet, so we'll see what happens this weekend. But certainly a very good match on Monday night. So, again, three of the big four teams in Portugal are going to be playing on Monday night. So that's going to be uh, pretty good. And, again, we also have the Champions League this week with uh, Porto and Chelsea. Um, a few things also regarding the uh, international break. Um Obviously, well, first off, between the Portugal senior team and the under-21s, five wins and one draw. Obviously, everybody's talking about the draw. Um, everybody saw the video. It was a goal. Um, everybody, the referee apologized. And despite all that, nothing could be done. And, um, you know, there should have been VAR, or at the very least, goal line technology. Um, this is one of the biggest competitions in the world. Certainly one of the most lucrative, so much Money is made, billions of dollars that they've got to figure out a way to make sure that all these European matches, so it's fair with everybody, have this type of technology. I, I know sometimes certain countries, the stadiums may not be able to do it, but they got to figure out a way to do it as many as possible in some of these stadiums. And uh, uh, it's just disappointing for Portugal. But to put a silver lining on all this, uh, you know, Portugal is still in great shape, tied with first place with Serbia. Uh, Ireland, which we thought would be competing with us, uh, is off to an, is you know not doing very well. I think Luxembourg is the third best team in this group, and we already beat them, although it was a very tough first half. But uh, yeah, I think Portugal is okay, and you know right now all the players are back with their clubs, and then in June they've got uh, European warm-ups friendlies against Israel and Spain, and then they get ready to defend their title. And obviously, in a few weeks, we'll know if there's going to be any changes to the city or schedule with the uh, European Championship that will be coming this summer. And uh, one uh, one thing to mention, by the way, also, uh, obviously, there was, uh, you know, Ronaldo, Cristiano Ronaldo got criticized by some people because he threw his armband down and, um, you know, they thought it was very disrespectful. Um, I think he threw his armband down because that was really the only thing he could rip off and throw on the pitch. I don't think it was necessarily being disrespectful to Portugal. Um, if you saw Cristiano Ronaldo for the first time in your life and you saw him doing that, you would think he was very immature. But, I mean, come on. How many times have we seen him, you know, his emotions, missing a, a goal or celebrating? I mean, he just, you know, he's probably not a great poker player because, you know, he shows his emotions so much. He doesn't seem to be able to keep it in. And you could actually read him very well. 
But the reality of the matter is, is uh, you know, I don't think it was anything disrespectful. And he had every right to be upset. I mean, that was a goal. Um, but unfortunately, that's what happened. Nothing could be changed. And all really Portugal can do is, you know, when they start World Cup qualifiers in September, focus on, like Fernando said, Santos said, one game at a time. They control their destiny. And if they uh, do that, they'll, uh, they should be okay. But, uh, you know, it's not bad. And, uh, you know, what they've done so far, it was some pretty good results. And uh, congratulations to the under-21 advancing to the knockout stage. So looking forward to seeing Portugal at the end of May continuing to play in the European Championships and then uh, in the under-21 European Championships. And then, of course, we've got the Silasone playing a few weeks after. Um, and then, obviously, we have a very busy summer with, uh, you know, players that are going to be sold. Is Ruben Amorim going to stay? So we're going to have a very fun summer and hopefully, uh, you know, a very normal one as possible. Um, and I'll end it by also like I usually do. So Portugal cases remain low, but not low enough for the government. And although some things are opening up, uh, no fans will continue to be allowed at matches. So it looks like with the exception of a few matches in the middle of the season at Santa Clara, it looks like uh, all the clubs in Portugal will go a whole season without any fans and they'll miss out on that revenue. But obviously a lot of people are missing out on revenue with a lot of the restrictions that are in uh, Portugal. Uh, but the bottom line is, is Portugal is trying to save their summer, um, you know, basically making the sacrifices now because Portugal's economy is built in many ways on tourism and Portugal cannot afford another bad summer like they had last summer. Um, they really need the immigrants to come back and spend their money. They need the uh, British, uh, in, you know, the British that like to come to Algarve and vacation in Portugal. They need them back. And the government is just trying to do everything they can to restore confidence and keep the situation low, uh, low and not out of control. Because, again, I've said in the last few episodes. Portugal can't afford another summer like they had uh, last year. Folks, that's it. I'm going to call it quits now. Thank you so much for listening. And we'll end it with this uh, audio clip of Sid. Take care, everybody. I'll talk to you next week when I'll be interviewing Pedro Santos of Columbus Crew. Alt Karezma. Oh. Ricardo Karezma. What a huge moment for, for Turkish soccer. Win. Oh, my God. McAuliffe, this kid, Full they've screen. been waiting for this guy for a decade with the national team, and it hasn't happened. Does it happen? Does it happen? Oh, it happened! Oh, it happened! It happened! It happened! It happened! And you saw it live on Sportsnet! It happened! It happened! You didn't really see it live on Sportsnet. Get off me. Get off me. That's, that's, that's 40 minutes of the show. We watch soccer.